0: The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Backbone Planning Partners is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Now let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's Tycoons.
1: Good afternoon, Tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I am your host today, Austin Peterson, back from my European vacation and three weeks of you being, uh, Listening to, host, listening to Landon hosting the show, I guess, for the last three weeks. Excited to be back. I'm in southern, sunny Southern California, uh, avoiding the heat in Arizona for a few days with the family and uh, spending the 4th of July here. So we were able to enjoy some fireworks, et cetera, last night. But excited to be back, excited to be hosting the show again, excited for today's guest. Before we jump into who that is and what we're going to discuss, I just wanted to lay out who we are, what it is that we do here. If this is the first time that you're listening to our podcast, Tycoons of Small Biz is a podcast by small business owners for small business owners. And it's our intent to provide an outlet or an opportunity for small businesses to tell their story and to get it out there, share their experience, share their advice. We truly believe that the backbone of the American economy is the small business owner. And so we interview a new business owner every single week on our show. This is episode 112. So we've been doing this for a little over two years. We've had some great stories, and I have no doubt that we're going to hear a great story today. And so with that, I'm going to introduce you to today's guest, who's definitely a tycoon. His name is Robert Ansel. He's the CEO of TNI Design here in Southern California, uh, based out of the LA area. And uh, Robert, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Nice to meet you.
1: Yeah. So Robert, uh, we typically have our guests tell a little bit about themselves personally before we jump into the business side of things. So if you don't mind, kind of tell us where you grew up, what you studied in school, if you, if you went to school, do you have a family? Are you married? Do you have any kids? What does that kind of look like? Because I'm, I'm hearing that accent. I know that uh, you're from a land far away, so fill us in on that.
2: Well, not that far away. Um, <laughs> well, I was, I, was born in, I was born and raised in Scotland, uh, Glasgow, Scotland, and went to school there. Then I, I moved to London, which was kind of interesting, big, big change there. When at early 20s, I studied my HCMI there, which is Hotel Catering Institutional Management. I studied that both partly in Glasgow and, and partly and finished in, in London. And my early career was in London, really focusing in on um, uh, the restaurant business, sort of more concept design and, and, and concept development, also some management. On my second marriage, my first marriage I went well, but we went in different, different directions. And two amazing boys from that. And I'm on my second marriage and we have one on the way. This time it's going to be a girl. So that's, that's definitely going to be a, another life changer. So super excited wow. about that. And yes, and, and, and that's it. And I, I moved to California in 2002. Lived here since then. And um, I love it. I wouldn't, wouldn't move anywhere else. I mean, no nowhere's perfect. And you know, California is not perfect, but definitely lifestyle people just absolutely adore it here. So super happy. Um, and here we are. Awesome. So how old are the boys? So my eldest is turning 20 uh, in a couple of days, and my youngest is 17, going on 48. <laughs> so the, the 20, did you say
1: 22 or 20? 20. The 20-year-old. 20 so what is, what is he doing?
2: Uh, he's, he's still at school. He has some, some uh, special needs. He's autistic. So he's going through that process and, uh, he's doing great. He's doing really, really well. And my youngest is he's into trading. He's, he's on the markets every day and, um, yeah, I mean, he's making more money than all of us. So yeah, he's doing
1: great. <laughs> well, good for him. Yeah. If you have the time and the technology and the, uh, the ability to do that, you can, you can do quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also do quite poorly if you're not. Yeah, <laughs> if you're not yeah. Careful, he's right? he's had
2: some good days and bad days. He's self-taught, and you know I'm proud of him for doing that. And he's yeah. uh, he's still learning. Um, but yeah, he's 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 definitely on the right track. I'll give him that for sure.
1: Yeah, well, that's great. So I I have two kids myself. I have a 22 year old son and then a 19 right. year old daughter. Okay, and the 19 year old daughter actually is a behavioral technician working with children with autism. Right. Okay. And yeah. So she she loves that right now. Her, her client or patient, however you want to look at it, there is, is a three-year-old little boy right? Uh, who at this point is nonverbal and she spends, you know, the day with him four or five hours a day with him and just works with him on the different skills that he needs to to learn. And she, she absolutely loves it. I feel like she's found her calling in life and she, I, I feel like she feels that she's found her calling in life and I've yeah. seen it for
2: quite some time. I, I mean, the world just, needs people like that for sure. It's, yeah. um, it's you know, the, these kids are challenged to really be on what we can recognize, but they all have inner spirit. They all have, um, and at varying degrees, they all have special talents that are usually accentuated um, more than normal. They're still bringing a lot to the community. Um, so um, I think that's amazing that your daughter's doing that. Congratulations. I mean, it's
1: congratulations to her. What she does is is amazing. I, you know, I watched her all through high school and she worked with special needs kids in the different classes that they have. So they had a special needs orchestra and a special needs art class and, you know, different things like that. And right. she chose to take those classes as, as her elective classes. Mm-hmm. And just watching her interact, I mean, you know, teenagers, as we all know, can be pretty brutal and are, mm-hmm. are really not great at, Yep. interacting with anybody that's different no matter what that difference is you know yep. they, they're just not great at it a lot of the times but just to watch her interact with them for the last five years now that I've seen her do that has been tremendous and and it's definitely a gift that she has for sure
2: yeah I think yeah the ability to have empathy and the ability to be able to bring sort of people with challenges um you know help them develop is really a gift so yeah, yeah. Is it- yeah, and, and what's
1: unique about it, like you said, is is you know those who who have autism typically have some sort of a gift that's greatly accentuated compared to the rest, and so right. you know you help them benefit from that, but then also try to to deal with some of the deficits that they may have in other areas, which is awesome. Yeah, exactly. Well, so let's uh let's talk about oh, and I just got back from London, by the way. I, I was in London, Paris, Rome, and then and then Denmark. But uh I've been to London several times and I have never had it be so hot as it was this time. It was yeah. incredibly hot.
2: Yeah, there's there's definitely some global challenges with that. But a beautiful city, probably one of my favorite cities. I mean, obviously apart from Glasgow and Edinburgh, but uh definitely a beautiful city. So I'm sure you enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, we did. Took the, the kids went there for the first time. My wife had done a study abroad in London back in college, so she knew the, the city quite well and has a big, you know, love for the city of London. And so, you know, we were able to see that and experience that with the kids and try to sprinkle in a few things that are a little cooler for 22 and 19-year-olds. You know, the Tower of London's awesome, but, you know, they're not yeah. really excited about that. And so, we did the London Eye, which was, you know, okay. We'd done that before, but the big thing for the kids is we did a speedboat tour on the Thames. Oh, okay, was pretty
2: cool. Okay, I did one of the, it was called the Frog, and it, it's um, so it's a bus and it does a tour. My my son was much younger at this point; he was maybe about nine or ten, and um, it was called the Frog, and we, we it's a bus, and then it. It's an amphibious vehicle, and basically oh, yeah. it goes, then it goes down the tins, but not as a speedboat. It was kind of quite slow, to be honest, but <laughs> um, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. All right, so let's jump
1: into to TNI. So tell us, you know, tell us what TNI does. It's TNI design, but, you know, that can mean a lot of different things. So tell us what you guys do day in and day out and what makes you guys
2: special. Well, our history is, is a little bit different. The TNI stands for the next idea. And the next idea actually started as a restaurant consultancy um, in about 2002 in the UK, then transitioned to the US. Um, and we focused on concept development, which was really my background, specifically in restaurants and, and restaurants and hotels and food and beverage and events and so on. We grew quite fast and um, international agency. We, we had offices in, in Dubai and India. We're doing really well. The the thing that was actually our strength, our greatest strength was our interior design part of the business. Obviously part of concept of design is creating the restaurant interior, making it engaging, making sure that the customer flow works properly, making sure the kitchen works properly and it all interfaces together. Uh, Restaurants are very live types of businesses. People don't quite realize how organic they actually are in terms of Um, You know, there's so many tiny, tiny pieces that have to work together to make the ultimate guest experience work well and for guests to be happy. And that really all flows into uh, there's a people side of that, but there's a design side of that and an operational design. So that was a huge strength of ours. And we did great designs. We have quite a few brands under our name. We started being asked by our clients, um, oh, can you come and design our house? Can you design? We're we're <clears throat> we're moving office. Can you design our office? And I'm like, well, you know, we kind of know restaurants, but oh no, you can do it. You can do it. It's always the answer. Uh, so we started to do it, and we we started to really enjoy it. And 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 you know, we we designed some homes mainly on the luxury side, both modern and traditional. Uh, we got involved in a lot of commercial office design, um, and I think because we thought like hoteliers, like restaurateurs, we, we looked at things differently when it came to an office. So, you know, a, a rest area was, was typically going to be a little bit different for us if we're going to design it, how people interact, how people meet, just the environment, um, the, the, the use of color, you know, moving away from a, a sort of, you know, maybe a fairly neutral palette into a more robust palette using stronger colors and so on and it worked and so for a few years we were designing really you know restaurants hotels but also commercial offices homes in some case you know and we were doing a lot of landscape as well as so outside became more important and it then got a bit weird we people because we started getting referred and people would look so let's talk to these you know architectural designers and you know they're they're going online and they're finding restaurant consultants and so in 2015, we split the company and T&I and was born then. Uh, T&I Design, should I say, was born then. And I took charge of that and my partner uh, held on to the next idea. It does come under the Next Idea group. So it's still, we're all still integrated um, and so on. But um, and we, we definitely work together a lot, but um, they are separate entities. So um, <clears throat> really what we have, have developed is quite a unique, Business model where we have um, we focus a lot, obviously, with restaurants being our background, uh, we do a lot of work with franchise groups and we've created various working models for them. So when, when, when a, a franchise or you know wants to roll out, the most important thing for them is consistency, what makes it easy for the franchisee to, to take the design and, and so on. And we provide that service. So we work with a number of franchise groups where we'll um, basically do everything from measuring a new location through to working with the franchisee, making sure that everything is to spec specification, you know, brand specification, and then also acting as a conduit between the franchisor and franchisee if there's certain nuances with a location. So maybe the location is in a historic area. And you know we can't do the signage the way that it's supposed to be done, so we we provide the solution and uh, you know or, or, or you know work with both teams, if you like, to come up with the best solution that will work you know under the sort of local rules but also in line with the brand and that's sort of really our probably our largest part of our business, and then we also still design offices and you know working with some large corporations with that and creating new environments and it's quite a unique situation at the moment. You know, post-COVID was <clears throat> has changed everything, and you know, large office landlords are sort of thinking, well, how do we how do we fill our space in the longer term? And so there's this sort of you know whole you know work um, sort of work life type you know sort of concept where your home is also your office and their shared office and buildings. And, you know, the, everything's more sort of, you know, put together, whereas so they might have apartments at the top of the building and then more office space in the lower part of the building, or they may even have home offices that are literally just that, you know, but rather than converting your house into having, you know, one room being an office, this is actually designed. So your office is, really sort of um, independent of the apartment let's say it's it's mainly an apartment so you can have people there and it doesn't feel like this is your home that they're coming into but equally it's all it's all put together in the same basically in the same block so we're doing we're doing quite a bit of that and then definitely on the residential there's there's a lot of work to be done there Um, there's communities that we're working with uh, mainly on the um, environmental side We've developed an eco-village type concept, which is being shared with other developers who are then sort of, you know, basically adding what they want to add into it. And then we're doing we're working on some of them. So it's an exciting time, very exciting time.
1: Yeah. No, it sounds like I mean, you've got obviously several things going on, you know, the residential, the commercial, the office, the, you know, the the restaurant. First part of the question, and then the second part, first part is. Which of those do you prefer? What do you like the most? What gets you excited, right? And then the second part of that is, you know, if you've chosen one of those now, is there a specific type of architecture or design that you personally like, whether it's modern, contemporary, whatever?
2: So it I was hoping you wouldn't ask that question because the honest, the honest answer is I, I think I would be lying if I didn't say I know restaurants and hotels the best, just purely because of where I've come from. And I certainly have never been bored uh, working on on restaurants or anything to do with food and beverage. But I also would say that I really, really like working on offices and I really enjoy um, working on uh, residential homes, especially as a lot of our clients give us a lot of freedom. And you know sometimes they rein it in. Sometimes we can go a little bit crazy, but we come to them with great ideas that can then be sort of made, you know, both realistic, you know, affordable, and so on. So I like. I I think what I like the most is actually the diversity of projects. You know, I feel comfortable in all of them now. Uh, Residential, you know, in 2015 was absolutely not my strength, but I feel you know now um, with now that we have a, a bigger team and so on. We're very strong on that, very competitive, but obviously, you know, our bread and butter is always going to be in the, in the restaurant and franchise world. But, you know, right now I've got probably about 30, you know, luxury homes that we're working on. So just in terms of scale, you can see that we're, it's a big part of our business.
1: No, I think that's cool. I mean, I, a lot of the reason that many people get burnt out in their career is that it's the same thing day in and day out. Right. And so and it's the same thing for a business owner or somebody who works for somebody else. It's if you have to go to work and do the exact same thing every day, it's pretty hard to not get burnt out. So I, I think that it sounds like you've found a way to to not do that, which is
2: exciting. Yeah, I, I think um, and I think also just the ability um, and I've been very fortunate to be given that skill to adapt is what makes everything exciting, and it you know when I see a new product on the market, or you know whether it's a new sustainable material, or just a new idea, or just a, a you know really great architect just doing something um, you know different. Then you know we're able to adapt to that, and I think you know and that's being able to think creatively is definitely a gift, no question. Yeah, for
1: sure. I want to back up and just kind of figure out how you got from hotels and restaurants to architecture and design. But don't let me forget, I, I want to I talk a little bit more about what you mentioned there with the home office structure in apartment buildings. I see it in, I could see it in condos. We have an office for our business, but I work from home most of the time. I've got a dedicated home office with a separate entrance from the outside of the house. You know, So it, it works for me but not all houses, apartments, or condos are designed that way or ever were, right? Most people work in their in their extra bedroom or some of them in their master bedroom and just kind of carve out a small area. So I want to make sure we kind of get back to that because I do think that that's, that's the future. But sure. just, just tell us how you kind of got into this to begin with. I mean, you jumped from hotel and restaurant management over to Gosh, I want to, I want to, you know, do the architecture and design of these of these businesses.
2: So, the next idea, the restaurant consultancy, is a concept development business, and and really, there's several components of that. One is is graphic design, so that's your signage, your menu, your logo, your your messaging comes under that, the whole communication piece. Um, another is the culinary side, and and so sorry, so we we had a couple of um, graphic designers on the team. Then we had culinary, and so I, I had a uh, well. Actually, we still have a great chef um, called Doug, and he, he would focus on the menu, the uh, and then the business part of that, the costings, the, the alignment of of ingredients, and so on. Then there's operations and training. So my partner focuses on that. That was that was always her strength, and and then of course there was interior design. What does the space look like? Um, how do you create the space within a budget? Um, how do you and also how do you make that space efficient? Prior to consulting, I had developed, when I was employed with different companies, lots of different brands and concepts. So I'd learned and I'd always sort of just been pulled towards that part. It was always the most interesting. It was always the first thing, you know, if I had several tasks to do in a day, uh, the design task was always the one that I would do at the end because I would just do the others, maybe not as well as I should have, but, uh, you know, just to get into the design. So I realized this was something that I loved and, you know, I just always enjoyed it. It, it was just, a, it was a huge thing for me. And so, you know, I started working with, um, in the early days of the consultancy, I started work, working with some architects and, um, I would do the design, and and they would do the the drawings and so on, and then just slowly we built that team, started bringing it in house, uh, creating a really strong team, and and we would, one of our things was always to create 3D renders, which um, quite common now, but not not so common then, and we would use the top software, which is 3D Max, and and um, you know really create photo photo like images of interiors, which clients loved. Still a huge trend today. I mean, that's actually still a growing department for us. And then obviously, we'd have the, we'd bring in drafts people and they would do the drawings and so on. And it it was a stepped approach. I mean, it was something which definitely emerged. It wasn't like, okay, today we're going to do interior design and we're going to build this team. I, I really didn't have a clue what I was doing at the beginning, other than just the experience that I'd had. But, you know, 20 years on, I think I know a little. Yeah. So, so here we are. And and I just felt, you know, sort of like it, it started getting a bit strange 2014, just in terms of feedback we were getting, this is not making sense. And it felt, you know, as a consultant, we knew it was wrong. Um, and that's why we split the company. So we could both companies could focus better. And it's been really successful for, for both entities. So it's been a, a really good decision. And we now stand alone as a design and architecture firm. Yeah.
1: No, I think I think that's fascinating, you know, to see what drag you know dra- drug you or dragged you that direction. Um, <laughs> I, pulse, I,
2: I think. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but um, the what I found unique there, or that anybody that's listening should should hone in on, is the fact that you didn't know all of the things at that point, right? You could see in your mind, you had the creative ability to to see a design but you weren't a draftsman, you weren't an architect, you weren't, you know, you weren't a graphic designer, you weren't any of those things, but you still moved forward with building this business. And I think that that's an important thing for entrepreneurs to hear is that you don't have to be an expert in whatever it is that you're going to go and do, as long as you have something there and you've identified that there's a problem that you can solve Or that you see potentially more uniquely than somebody else does. Right.
2: Yeah. I I think it's certainly in my experience and I know others um, develop their careers and their businesses differently. I think from my perspective, I always like doing the, you know, I always like the challenge, you know, Richard Branson said, and I'll never forget this, some interview that he did. And uh, he said, "You know, someone offers you a job, just take it and figure it out afterwards." And and I think that that resonated with me because, quite honestly, we, we certainly in the early years—not now, but in the early years—that was that's, that's what we had to do. But it, you know, I think it's really just having the the ability to do it, but also really want to, you know, having the vision to connect with, making sure this is a quality product for someone. When we, you know, when we offer. Our services, you know, we guarantee, you know, service quality and and schedule, uh, meaning, you know, we will deliver within a certain time frame. All of this is very important in in, in professional services, whether you're in law, or accounting, or or architecture or design, whatever. And I think because you know, early on, I realized, okay, we, you know, we've got to be on point with these three things. And, and, you know, and creative creativity is also hugely important because that's why people are coming to you. And so when you put that together, you've got those sort of four mantras that, that really worked for us. And and just the ability to bring the right people who, you know, shared that vision um, and wanted, they may not have been the best at that time. I feel they're the best now, but they may not have been the best at that, but, but the ability to learn and to grow and being able to pull that all together, I think was it's a skill that I had and, and hopefully still have um, to make it work.
1: Yeah. Well, so I, I don't claim to be an expert in architecture or, or design, but when I think about design, specifically if I kind of picture myself opening an, a new restaurant, right? And like most people, I've worked at a restaurant when I was young, right? Um, and so I see two aspects of design I see the usefulness right making sure that it's useful in the way that it's designed and then the aesthetic side of things right this this kind of you you talking about that led me to this next question which i think is is useful as well is that the restaurant business has changed covid changed the restaurant business in a lot of different ways and a lot of restaurants went to delivery only a lot of restaurants you know didn't have in person dining for a very long time Some restaurants will never go back to the same dining room structure that they had previously. And so, one of the things that I know that is popping up quite a bit, and I'm interested to know if you're doing any work here or if you foresee yourself doing any work here, is that I think they call them community kitchens, where you basically design a commercial kitchen for multiple brands to be run out of the same kitchen for delivery only. And so, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and kind of where you think you know, the restaurant business could go and, and how the design of what you guys do impacts that.
2: So it's it very interesting that you mentioned that. I actually opened one of them with my wife in 2019. It was part of a, there's a number of uh, terms. There's ghost kitchen, virtual kitchen, community kitchen. But it is just a, a building with multiple kitchens and, 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 and some shared services. So, which could be it, it depends. There's different models. Do I think it's the future? I I think it, in part yes. We have changed the model. Um, for us it worked really well, but we ran out of space, and then along came COVID, and we were in a fortunate position that our our lease was month to month, so we didn't really have to exit with any big losses. We just parked everything and um, moved on. So we we're now opening um another. Business which is similar but not quite the same. It's it's an independent uh unit it's inside central LA in a new development called Beehive. Basically, it is a little bit like a Domino's pizza type of concept where you can either walk in and or you know, walk in, place your order, or treat it like a ghost kitchen, everything's ordered online. There is a patio which doesn't actually belong to us, but people can use. And I think what you'll find is, is that when we talk about these community kitchens, what we're seeing is, is new brands are struggling with them because it's very hard. It's such a noisy environment online. It's very hard for them to get the name out quickly enough to sustain their business. Now, that's not the rule of thumb. I'm just saying in general, we've seen a few, quite a few, well, more than normal failures, really, because they haven't been able to get the revenue to the point that it becomes break even, and then obviously profitable in enough, in, you know, fast enough. We were fortunate, but again, hard for us to keep going when COVID came along. And the strength of brands was actually seen in COVID. You know, those companies that were able to pivot and survive shows a lot of strength. And you know, we were a year old; we really didn't have much chance. So I think. We will see that type of design growing and that type of concept growing. Um, there's some big players in the market now that are providing the real estate, but do I think? But I think we're going to see 50%, maybe more, of these kitchens being dominated by big brands. It, it is my guess, and I think the other people that will take them will be caterers and maybe small startups that have got you know a following, whether they were at you know, sort of these food trucks, trucks, farmers markets, these type of concepts that, you know, have a following and that they, you know, it it makes sense to the next step to be, you know, a small kitchen that they can deliver out of. I think that there's different models, you know, some models, it's purely a kitchen, other models, it's a fully equipped kitchen. and, And, you know, basically they're providing you with everything, your POS, your point of sale, your you know, your delivery and so on, but there's economics to each one. So I, yeah, I think, I I do think it's part of the future. I I think in our case, we, you know, I'm just using that as an example. We moved away from it, whether we go back to it later on, we'll see.
1: No, you make some, you make some good points, right? Because if, if you don't have any sort of real estate, you know, meaning a sign that says the name of your brand on the side of a building that people have come to know at some point, it's pretty tough, right? And so then it does fall, like you said, to the food trucks or people who've done a really great job on social media of developing a following, then okay, you know, it, it makes sense. But if it's a commercial kitchen in the basement of a building that has no signage out front, nobody knows you're there and you're hoping to just be seen on DoorDash or Uber Eats or, you know, one of those as a new restaurant to try, it's probably not going to work for you. You got to have some sort of branding on your own.
2: Yeah, it it takes time. Um, And also these third party companies like DoorDash are taking a very big percentage. Now, that's their model that works. I'm not taking a position on that. Um, But you have to make sure that works within your model, um, which I think is not as easy as people think so. Yeah, yeah, fair enough.
1: All right, well, let's take a quick break. Let's hear a quick call to action for our listeners and then we'll come back and I wanna, I wanna unpack a little bit more about what you were talking about with that home office design. All
2: right.
1: Hey there, Tycoons, Austin Peterson here, co-host of Tycoons of Small Biz. If you think you have what it takes to be considered a tycoon and you're wondering how you could become a featured guest, please follow and then message us at Tycoons of Small Biz on LinkedIn. We'd love to have a conversation with you to see if it is a mutually good fit. And if so, we'll get you scheduled for an interview. If you're unsure about being a guest on our podcast, but are contemplating selling your business over the next few years, and you'd like to know what your business is worth, please also follow us and then message us on LinkedIn for your no obligation, informal valuation of your business. We look forward to hearing from you and thanks for listening to the Tycoons of Small Biz podcast. And now back to today's program. All right, welcome back tycoons. Austin Peterson here talking with Robert Ansell from TNI Designs out of Southern California. And we've been uh, talking about quite a bit, um, mainly the restaurant business and some of the other uh, design work that they do uh, in the residential and commercial space. But, you know, Robert, earlier you mentioned uh, this work from home deal, which is not going away. I mean, the reality is that's, I don't see that going away ever. I think that people have realized and businesses have realized that in a lot of different areas, this makes a lot of sense. It can be good from an environmental standpoint, right? I mean, think about as a guy who lives here in Southern California, think about how many fewer cars are going to be on the roads if people are working from home rather than commuting to their, to their job in downtown Irvine or downtown down LA or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so, there's a lot of benefits to this as well. Now, there are drawbacks, right? There are things that have to be addressed and, and dealt with from the company standpoint. But talk, talk to me about the design and what you're seeing with new construction and different things like that that are, that are going to be addressing that, um, that you're involved in.
2: Well, you're, you're 100% right. Um, what's happening in the market is, and it's been driven by COVID. COVID really changed how people view things both in terms of you know work life balance how they work how much time they're spending in traffic you know no more prevalent than in, in LA where you could be looking at 2 hours to get to a small place it's definitely a big thing and and, and what we're finding is on the you know females uh, whether it's mothers single mothers families whatever what we're finding is is that they have just done exactly as you've said. You know they've they've learned to work at home. In some cases, they were laid off, mm-hmm. and in other cases, they weren't, and they're working at home successfully, and or they've found how to work online in their own time. And that's when people talk about the Great Resignation. What we're assessing is that this was probably a bit overdue. Covid definitely forced the situation, but. We have the technology now to work wherever. I don't really, you know, just personally speaking, I don't really worry about traveling because I have a laptop, I have a phone, I'm just simply, you know, apart from being on the plane when the, the internet's a bit spotty, you're you can be connected as, as much as you like. Now there's downsides to that, there's upsides, but um, that's that's what's happening. And then you're also finding that a lot of young people who may, you know, at the student age may have taken a job. In a restaurant, um, in retail, or whatever, or actually just working online, and do they learned how to make money online? So, from a design standpoint, what we're finding is, is um, you know, we have some developers that we're talking to, and maybe they're doing a community. So, most of them, you know, they want to keep the uh, their their apartments, you know, fairly traditional, one, two, three bedroom. Uh, but what they are doing in the community, they're building office space so you're not necessarily working from home per se but you know if you're in a multifamily community you have lots of different office spaces and it's designed differently some of it's just very traditional working space and some of it's uh, you know sort of very um you know creative and so on so they're 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 making it they're, they're changing it around it's not as um static as it used to be on the when we look at residential homes, single family homes, what we are being asked is, okay, well, we want a space for our office. You know, is that our garage? You know, how do we carve this out? If we're doing a a new home, a new construction from start, then usually we're building in a home office. In fact, I don't know any projects that we have at the moment where there is no home office. So either they want to Add an extra floor, convert the the attic or what might have been you know usually an attic they they want to build that out, put in skylights, you know get natural light in there, obviously put in the usual room facilities, power, internet, air conditioning, and so on. but we are definitely seeing it. We have some you know uh, office <clears throat> you know office groups, commercial you know just sort of management groups that are talking about converting some of the high rises, the top. They want to convert into apartments, some with offices, some without, and then keep the offices lower down, and that makes complete sense, you know. And um, you know, up, and they are planning on getting a premium. So yes, there's some legalities to that in terms of zoning and so on. Yeah, but that's the way it's going. I mean, really, what we have is we have a um, a, a sort of an oversupply of office space and an undersupply of homes. So hopefully this will help create a better balance. And then it depends, you know, do, do people want to work that way? And um, certainly the, the, the research that we are seeing indicates that, yeah, they, they do. They don't want to sit in traffic. They're being um, more productive. And, you know, they're they're winning this way. I mean, even in in our case, we we exited our office um, when COVID hit. That was, it just wasn't going to work at all. And I was very nervous because I tried work at home previously, maybe a few years ago, didn't like it, didn't work for the group. Um, So I was nervous. But actually, you know, with the advent of Zoom being so good, you know, there's, there's lots of different platforms. You know, sometimes we can literally be working for several hours on a video call, but we're actually working and we're just talking as we're working uh, and it works. And so obviously we're doing it and plenty of other people are doing it. So I think this I I think is more than a trend and I don't think it will reverse. And I think, you know, the the one thing that you do miss out on is, is that social interaction, which I think we all like about going to the office and going to work there are distractions at home so you have to be careful of that but you can probably get more hours of work in meaning that you can be more productive so that doesn't that's not me saying oh you know rather than spending 2 hours in in the car you can spend you know 2 hours working more not really it's more <laughs> well actually you could spend another hour more and you've given yourself back an hour and you've been more productive and so that's, that's how we see it. And, and certainly from our standpoint, um, it's been hugely successful. We've looked at taking new office space and we continue to do so, but um, we haven't found anything that's going to replace what we're doing right now. So that office space will probably be quite small compared to what we had. Uh, you know, we had 4,000 square feet. We're probably going to take a 1,000. And really that's for meetings, just, you know, for... Maybe we'll get together once in a week, whatever. We do not see ourselves working in that office like we used to. Um, So there's been a huge change. Um, As I said, especially, you know, in the States, there is a housing shortage. And I think this conversion will will help uh, considerably.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, the need for office space doesn't go away, right? I mean, there's there's still a need, but it's just different than it used to be you know for a guy like me who you know we talked at the beginning my kids are 22 and 19 working from home is not a problem for me but my partner Landon who has 2 year old twins working <laughs> from home is a problem for him right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know he goes to the office every single day and that's just the only way that that he can get you know his work done but you hit something that i haven't heard anybody mention and that's just the fact that we all know it but Having this be a solution has not been brought to the forefront for me. And that's the fact that we have a shortage of housing, but an overabundance of office buildings today, specifically yeah. those class A high rise exactly. buildings in downtown LA or Phoenix or whatever city you know, you're know you in. And so that there is a way to use those more efficiently that benefit both the business community as well as the individual employee, which I think is a unique spin on things.
2: Yeah, no, hundred percent. And then if you're putting the um, the living quarters, if you like, at the top of the building, you get these beautiful vistas and all the rest of it. So, you know, there it's a way out for landlords to diversify a little bit, and um, you know, there I, I think that's going to be what the future looks like. I think that, and then I think also dispersion out from the city center and and, and more into the country. <clears throat> where there's these sort of, you know, there's more land, there's more space, the air is better. Um, I definitely see that as a transition as well, because um, again, you know, people can work from home. So, you know, one of the reasons that we're seeing people retire earlier is not that they've stopped working. It's just that they found other ways to generate income, out, you know, pull their, their retirement and then supplement it with, you know, some kind of work at home, Strategy, whatever that looks like, that they can work at home, they don't have to go to the office, and they have a better quality of life. and And I, I don't think that's going to change.
1: Yep. Yeah. Or, or even just the fact that they have the ability to, you know, think of L.A. Of course, right. So you work for an organization that has their offices downtown L.A. You would only move so far away, right? You, you can only stomach a commute that's so long. And now all of a sudden, you know. Nothing on nothing against Bakerfield, but I'm not say, saying that people want to move to Bakerfield. Bakersfield, but really they can move to we're seeing, you know, Austin, Texas, we're seeing Boise, Idaho, you're seeing yeah. a lot of people that are leaving California and getting homes in the country, more square footage in their houses, you know, maybe a better quality of life, so to speak, because it's slows down a little bit, but they're still able to be just as efficient and effective for that company that's based here in L.A. Exactly. And it's, you know, I think it's a positive thing. It'll be interesting to see what it means long-term to call it the middle of the country, right? The You know, what we call the yeah. flyover states. Yeah. You know, more and more people are are going to start to move to those states, I think, because they can still work for companies on the coasts and make a decent living and contribute to those companies that they want to be affiliated with, but have the the day-to-day lifestyle that they would prefer having.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I think, you know, and what's interesting about America is, is there's actually a lot of land here that's um, underdeveloped. And that's not taking away, you know, we're not going to be um, sort of encroaching on, you know, sacred land or, or or farmland or anything like that. There's still plenty of literally just uninhabited land. Yeah. Um And I think, you know, that will give us an opportunity to start building on that, start taking advantage of that using solar more um, because it's more open and so on. And I think there's um, that's what we're going to see. I mean, that that to me is the next 10 years. Um, And I think we are I think we've already changed the way that we work to a large degree. I think we're sort of in the next phase, really. All right. So. Let's
1: let's jump to difficulty because it's not all you know sunshine and roses at TNI Designs all the time. So what what's the biggest uh, challenges that you guys deal with on an ongoing basis or have dealt with in the past that maybe some of our listeners can learn from? You know,
2: I I think the hardest part of any business, and certainly we've experienced it just like everyone else, is. Uh, finding the right people and the right people for T&I Design doesn't mean to say that they're the right people for another architecture or design firm. Um, they're right for us. And I think, you know, you, you know, finding people that have the, exactly the right skill set is, is phase one of your recruitment, but phase two is making sure that they're that cultural fit and that they are married to the values of the company, which are you know, being on time, creativity, so really providing solutions at a, at an economic, value driven cost uh, for clients, and it's kind of interesting. Not hard to find people with skills, but it does become harder to find people with the right cultural fit. And so we spend a lot of time uh, finding people, sort of recruiting and not recruiting in some cases, and really trying to build. So, you know, maintaining um, our team with uh, the demand that we have is is a constant challenge. Uh, fortunately, we're doing good. You know, we're, we're, we're able to stay on time and deliver on time and so on, but it is definitely challenging and worrying and does keep me up at night. I think some of the other challenges are keeping up with technology, not, not just from our standpoint, not just creating you know, homes that are with the latest technology or the most sustainable materials, um, all of that sort of a given, but really making sure that we are using the best technology to, to deliver our projects uh, without losing the human touch and without losing the creative element, because I think there's there's stuff that's coming onto the market now, which is very good, but it kind of pulls away that human creativity that you cannot replace. It's really just sort of staying, staying on top of that and of course, just being competitive, you know, that the market is competitive. It's always going to be competitive, any kind of major industry. Uh, so, architecture really is part of construction and development. There's plenty, <laughs> there's plenty designers, there's plenty architects. So, really staying on top of that, being creative, making sure that every project we do is of a very high quality so that we can point to that as part of our marketing material. We don't advertise very much. I mean, we use social media, um, but we really don't advertise. And and, um, I think, you know, that's a position that I'd like to to keep, Uh, not from a cost standpoint, just because I think it's better uh, to be more reported on rather than you do the reporting, if you like. So, you know, really for us, it's, it's taking care of every single project and trying to do the best that we possibly can do.
1: Really, the reality is that the two things that you mentioned, right, finding the right people and and that are the right cultural fit, and then the fact that there's a competitive landscape, regardless, right? I mean, you guys aren't the only architecture and design firm in in the area. You're you're not even the only one that does restaurants and commercial office space, or restaurants and you know residential space. And so, it, it comes down to differentiation. So, if I were to ask you. Robert, what makes TNI Designs different, both as an employer and as a company that's going to provide these services to us? What would your response be?
2: Well, I, I I would like to think that it's really our creativity. Also, we are very fixed on evaluating what we do. So, for example, we have introduced a new software. We've teamed up with a company called Livestream, um, who do video analytics. Uh, so when we do a new design for our clients, um we can put the live stream program into their restaurant, which analyzes how customers, oh. are they spending too much time at the self-serve versus, you know, at the POS? Are we moving people faster through the line than before? You know, what what were our objectives? Have we achieved achieved those objectives? A lot of this was very intangible before we had video data. Now we do. So we use that. So, These are things that other, well, hopefully they don't watch this program, but (laughs) our competitors don't do, you know, it's, they do the design, um, they fix anything that needs to be fixed and then they move on. We are very much more analytical when it comes to the commercial side, even in offices, in a large office, if there's concern about how long people are spending, you know, going up the elevator, how, how much time are they spending in the kitchen? You know, have we set this up? Efficiently, you know, larger companies want to see this because do we need more micro? There was there was one just as an example, one you know customer they they wanted two microwaves and um, you know, but we we all questioned, including them, you know, would that be enough? And, and we were able to sort of analyze that no, it's it's not enough because there's too many people needing them at a specific time, so people are standing waiting and getting frustrated where they could either be eating, socializing, or working. And so, you know, we are quite analytical about our designs from an efficiency standpoint, as well as obviously making them aesthetically, um, you know, amazing. And then, of course, on the residential side, I think um, very focused on the environment. Uh, We care deeply about the environment. I mean, we're looking at all these different materials. You know, how can we use hemp? How can we use different types of paint? Uh, Solar is obviously important. How can we reuse grey water? Um, all these kind of um, sustainable elements that go into housing, we're pretty advanced with that. And and I think that's really helping us get more, um, both interesting clients um, and, and more interest um, than others. So, yeah. Yeah. That's no,
1: great, great answer. So anything specific on the employee side, what do you tell an employee that makes you guys different than another design firm they may be looking at working for?
2: Well, I mean, the good news is, is that our employees have stayed with us. Um, so we actually use that as part of our recruitment drive, you know, that um, we we pay above market. Typically, we um, definitely will help people develop their skills, um, that they'll learn, that they, they can choose. We do de- departmentalize our work. So in other words, we have guys that are focused on restaurants only and guys that are focused on residential only and they can transition over but we keep the teams together so there's diversity in the you know in the workplace in, in, in terms of you know the actual work itself people I think join us because we're interesting and we we have some really interesting project projects so hopefully that that's good enough I mean at the end of the day it's uh <clears throat> we're all fighting for the best people so
1: yeah, no, I, th- I think, you know, uh, upward mobility or opportunities to work on unique projects is, is definitely what most people
2: are looking for these days, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think just um, we, we are good at developing people. And I, I think where we've been successful is we've been able to show people new skills. We encourage people working together. Um, very much, you know, and 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 sort of we we definitely um, harness a sort of team team environment, and and that's that's been helpful. Yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure.
1: All right, well, we've come to the end of the road. So uh, at this point, I just ask you to, you know, for those listeners, tell us how they can track you down. You know, would you prefer they go to your website, you go to your personal LinkedIn page, what?
2: Where any like of, Yeah, any of the above. Uh, our website's TNI Design. They look me up on LinkedIn, Robert Ansell. It's a it's an unusual name, so I think I pop up first. Um, But yeah, any of the above. Go on to Google. Um, we're we're pretty pretty big online, so quite easy to find.
1: Good. Well, I've appreciated the uh, the interview. I've learned some things along the way that I think are you know fascinating for me as as obviously somebody who works with business owners day in and day out. It's always fascinating to hear somebody else's viewpoint on where we go from here, what business looks like in in the future, what, you know, how the work, the work-life balance uh, looks in the future. So I've appreciated the the
2: interview for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Thanks for being willing to be here. Yeah.
2: Pleasure.
0: You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance. Austin and Landon are comprehensive financial planning professionals, specializing in financial, estate, and succession planning for small business owners. Austin and Landon have offices in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada and represent clients in 14 states throughout the country. Join Austin, Landon, and the Featured Tycoons live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. right here on Business Radio X and your favorite podcast platform.